You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here. This is Music Growth Talks episode number 96. And my guest today is a full-time independent musician, Mike Goodrow, also known as Bobbin Bluesman. Mike is going to tell you more about music licensing than anyone before on this show at very least. While we have covered publishing and licensing on the podcast before, clearly this is the first time an artist living and briefing this world shares with us what it really takes to make money by placing your music. And the truth may sound harsh to some of you, but it's very well worth the listen in any case. And uh, Mike has been quite successful in in the market to talk about it uh, uh, during the past uh, 10 years. Most recently, his uh, song was placed in the award-winning Netflix series called Bloodline. Some of you may have watched it. And in this conversation, you're about to uh, listen to Mike talks a bit about how that one was arranged and shares a lot more on uh, on licensing in general, exclusive versus non-exclusive deals, how to figure out if a licensing company is good, what mistakes to avoid, how to manage your catalog, and so on. If you still want to play the game of licensing after hearing Mike's real uh, insights about it, which I hope you do, let me know in the comments to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Andrew For now, enjoy our conversation with Mike Goodrow. Mike, welcome to the Music Growth Talks podcast. I'm excited to have uh, this conversation with you. And uh, please let me know once again this time for the record, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, so do you mind... Uh, sharing a little bit on, on your background, which is exciting based on what I've seen on your web profiles. But yeah, so if you don't mind sharing a little bit of, of your story and uh, how many years you've been doing music and, for example, how many albums you've released so far. Okay. Well, I'm uh, 51 years old. Uh, I've been a professional musician since I've been about 16 years old. I started out the first, say, the first uh, 20 years as basically just a hardworking musician playing uh, various styles of music, country, rock. And a little bit later, I got into blues and then later jazz. And after releasing about a dozen albums in 2007, I'm up to 18. I just released my 18th album in November. And uh, they're all self-produced records. I started uh, getting into licensing music around 2007. I joined, uh, I didn't know anything about music licensing. I didn't even know what it was. I um, joined an A&R company in Los Angeles called Taxi. I started, I actually started, joined Taxi because I wanted to get a record deal. That was my first thought, to get an American record deal with an American label for my blues recordings. And then I stumbled upon some of their ads that were about music licensing. So I said, well, what's that? So I started doing some research on what that was and then discovered that I could license my music for TV shows and film, multimedia, stuff like that. And uh, and I said, oh, well, maybe this is a way that I could uh, generate some extra revenue since record sales are continually dropping. And um, being 
an unsigned, totally 100% independent composer producer, here's a way that I could probably generate some revenue with my music. Through Taxi, I made a contact through one uh, great company in Los Angeles that I'm still with, who have, this particular company's got me a lot of really cool placements on really big TV shows. So it started with, they were looking for French vocal songs and in the jazz style or French cabaret style. And I did happen to have a couple of those and um, song got accepted. I made the contact with this particular library and then I had carte blanche to send them as much music as I wanted and they would screen it and accept it if they thought it might serve them well. And maybe about a month later, I got a placement on my first placement on the everybody hates Chris show, Chris rock. And uh, a little bit later got a check and I said to myself, wow, this is legit. I can actually make a little bit of money with this. So, and afterwards, about a year after being with Taxi, I just realized that um, I could actually solicit a lot of companies myself. So cutting the middleman and just going directly with libraries and sometimes even with music supervisors directly. And after 10 years of really, I have to say that it wasn't easy. And a lot of times I really felt like giving up because uh, it's a very slow process. You got to have a lot of patience and you got to have a lot of tunes. And, you know, I'm still booking my bands, producing my records, updating my website. So I'm doing the work of five people. So I only have a limited amount of time per week to dedicate to publishing. But here I am 10 years later, 2017, with about 1,500 song deals out there. Most of them are non-exclusive. I'd say more than half of them are probably with dead-end libraries that that just couldn't keep up with the changing uh, ways of the licensing business. But the other, the other, there's a good 20% of them that are with really solid people that do have connections with key people in the music industry for placements. And like I said, 10 years later, now it's becoming about 40% of my revenue is through licensing. So I'm pretty happy about it, but um, you really got to keep belting out tunes. And it's a little bit rougher for me than some other composers because I'm doing it old school. I record with real drummers, real horn players, real musicians. I don't use samples. I don't use any kind of MIDI stuff. All the instruments are real instruments, real players. But does so this, it's a little, yeah, does this it's, contribute it's, to, to your placements? Sorry for interrupting. I think for certain people, it's, it has a certain value. But when you check what's in libraries, there's so, so, so much music made with just one guy at home with his keyboard and his computer. That's what you're up against, you know? So it's costing him a few dollars to create a track when it's costing me a few hundred dollars to create a track. So it's a, it's a tough battle, but I don't know how to do my music any other way. I'm not really that tech oriented. I'm not really that interested in learning either. I just want to try to do it the way that I've always been doing it in a more organic way and uh, try to keep uh, making contacts with people that appreciate that. Right, right. So, yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned Taxi. I remember that back in those days, it was, uh, I think, the biggest company of these kinds. And uh, now the market uh, looks uh, differently from for the, the, these days. Uh, there are more players and uh, there are more musicians trying to license there's their music. There's just too much. There's too many. That's, that, that's the problem, you think so? too. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's way too much music for the demand. And now that more people are hip to licensing, 
the competition is just crazy, you know, and when they're looking for certain stuff, you know, if they have 150 or even 1,050 songs to listen to, if you're not at the top of the pile, your, your stuff's probably not even going to get a chance to get listened to, you know, so this is changing the rules too, you know, and it's ever changing. And then you got these companies that want your music exclusively because they're shooting you some bullshit about that uh, music supervisors only want to work with exclusive music. And uh, so you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And for me, it's just not feasible to give my songs exclusively to a company. And if they don't place it, then that song just stays on a shelf. It's stupid for a guy like me. If you're a computer guy and you can crank it out, 10 songs, 20 songs, 30 songs a week. I know I know some really good composers that are doing that. I mean, kudos to them. I guess they can give their music away exclusively, but I just can't do that. I was about to ask you uh, your thoughts on these, uh, this whole, whole topic of ex- exclusive versus non-exclusive. So you wouldn't advise artists entering this field with not way too many songs and uh, producing a limited amount of, uh, of new tracks to go with the exclusive road or it, or it depends or like yeah i i really think it's a personal thing i think it depends on what kind of composer you are what kind of music you compose and i think if you're you know if you're a really computer savvy person and you're a good composer and a good musician and you can crank out songs like daily bread well you know maybe you can you can sacrifice some songs exclusively and i know for me i've made a few exclusive deals all the exclusive deals I've made so far have not panned out very well for me. Mm-hmm. So for me, what seems to work best right now is non-exclusive, but the rules in this game are, are just changing so fast, you know, and now there's new companies that are doing different types of deals where they're not taking any publishing at all. They're just going to plug your song and they're going to ask you for a percentage on the uh, sync fee. And that way, it really eliminates a lot of problems because you're keeping your your publishing 100% and they don't have to mess with all the legalities of dealing with the publishing and all the problems that might, you know, have down the road. So these new companies that Music Gateway is one of them. There's a few other companies, too, that are that are doing this. But I think this is a new model that's that's good. It's it's good for the composer and the producer. And it's good for the um, the music supervisor because uh, basically they're licensing the music directly from the artist and um, the person that's giving you the the connection is getting a percentage. And personally, I don't have any problem giving a percentage of 15 or 20% for a sync fee if they got the contact to the person. And, you know, we I give 15 and 20% to booking agents all the time for gigs. So why wouldn't I do it for licensing? Makes sense. That's my... That's my thought. Do you still reach out to uh, new libraries or supervisors directly or prefer to use services uh, like that or, or do you use your existing network primarily? I've basically, in the last three years, when I started in 2007, I was just sending my music all over the place. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was learning how things worked. Now, for the last three years, my business uh, model is more... I'm going to continue to send new music to companies that I've had success with that I know that they actually do have connections. But um, I am always seeking out new companies to partner with. As I said, I'm staying away from companies that want my music exclusively. I just can't bring myself to do that. And 
I am reaching out a little bit more to music supervisors every now and then, but um, that's always a very slippery uh, road to take because um, some of these people, they don't want to be bothered by Tom, Dick and Harry sending them their music. And I definitely don't want to be a pain in the ass about that. So I would like to make more direct contacts so that I can just deal my music directly. But I haven't had a whole lot of successes. I probably have maybe a half dozen music supervisors that actually solicit me for music and say, hey, Mike, do you have something in this genre? I know that you are good in this genre. Do you have anything like this? And they'll give me a description. I'll send them a link or an MP3. And it's happened a few times that I got a placement direct. So, you know, which is nice because then you get 100% of the fee and you get 100% of the licensing, which is, you know, best for the composer and the producer, which I am wearing both hats. But um, I'm constantly looking for new companies, but I'm a lot more cautious about who I sign my music with. I try to make sure that they're actually placing music in the present time and that not that they're a company that placed a whole lot of music five and 10 years ago, because if they haven't had anything recent, it's probably because they're they might be out of the loop. And uh, like I said, this is a really ever changing business. It's really hard to keep up with. I remember the uh, CEO of Taxi telling me 10 years ago, because I was having some good success, that I'd be making soon in the high five figures. Well, I'm not making in the high five figures yet. It's 10 years later. I am doing well, and it is going up every year. But I've literally spent thousands of hours scouring the web, reaching out to people, uploading songs. Filling in metadata is so long and boring. Oh, my God. You know, but I, I have no choice because I'm the best qualified person to describe my music. Yeah. And I don't have a secretary or, or an aide. I'm, I'm just a one-man show here doing the work of five or six people. So I'm spreading myself thin sometimes. But if you want to be a full-time musician and you want to make a living off your art, you got to hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, this is uh, extremely important to, to understand for for musicians and composers who want to try new new income streams and uh, new monetization channels and models and licensing publishing in particular because uh, oftentimes uh, we we see how artists feel kind of disappointed with it and not seeing any results but on the other hand it's about also how much effort they put into it so it took you 10 you've been doing this 10 years and uh, you've seen quite some success but you mentioned that you have uh, it sounds like you you have lots of uh, more work to do ahead and you 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 still have to hustle all the time to get new deals right so it's not like if you just uh, had some some placements in the past people will continue you know using your music in the future so you you have to be active and be there and communicate with uh, with people do do you have a workflow uh, with uh, platforms uh, of different kinds such as music getaway in terms of monitoring new projects and um, like do do uh, dedicate specific amount of time daily. I'm just curious if you have any time management tips in that area. No, I don't because I'm a terribly <laughs> disorganized person. But, um, you know, I, I think if I wish I had more time to in the wintertime, because in the summertime, this, this is summertime now and I'm playing music, I'm playing concerts pretty much five, six days a week and I have a family and I like to also spend some time with my family. And so 
my time is pretty limited for licensing as far as the summer months go from say from end of May till about Labor Day weekend, you know, like beginning of September. In the winter months, I put a lot more energy into licensing, reaching out. Most of my time is spent sending new music to companies that I've been doing business with, but I have not um, maybe uh, submitted all the material that I can to. Mm -hmm. So I always start with the best companies that give me good placements. I always send my music to them first. When I have new music, they're the first people that I send music to. When all that's done, then I I usually spend a little time seeking out uh, new companies to see if um, they're interested in the type of music that I produce. That's another thing too. You know, if I don't produce pop music, which is pretty much what's mostly requested, you know, uh, on those types of platforms. You know, I'm not a hip hop guy. I'm a blues, jazz. I do French, French cabaret. I do a lot of uh, world music too, Christmas music. But, um, you know, when you look at different companies, what they're looking for today is hip hop, uh, EDM, all these, you know, these musics that are just the flavor of the day. And um, I don't do that. So the music that I make is more, um, we say in French, intemporel, which means it's, it's music that never goes out of style. You know, a crooner song a la Frank Sinatra will always be requested. Yeah. Ten years from now, it still be, will still be requested. Same thing with uh, my blues. I got a lot of blues stuff, big band, Chicago style, Texas style. That stuff never goes out. So that's why also I continue to produce that type of music because I figure in years to come when I'm maybe, um, you know, when I get older and I'm not playing music in the summertime, six and seven nights a week, I'll have a good catalog of music. I have a catalog now of about 400 tracks in those different styles. So theoretically, you can already just use that material and just uh, pitch some songs of, of, from your catalog to uh, appropriate opportunities because uh, it will be just as uh, good in 10 years' time. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I, I, I had a really cool placement about in 2016 with the, the film Passengers, which was a big feature film last year. And I had a song that was licensed that I wrote 20 years ago. But uh, they were looking for a French swing song, à la Charles Trenet. And uh, the song was on Target and they got licensed. So, you know, something I wrote and recorded 20 years ago got licensed in a feature film from 2016. So that kind of um, justifies that um, this type of music will always kind of be in. Hearing. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Neat. So speaking of uh, specific placements, can you tell me how it worked out with uh, with your recent uh, placement in Bloodline? This was through Music uh, Gateway. And I don't really usually give out uh, <laughs> companies uh, that uh, I get placements from, but since Music Gateway is how I got your contact and you got They mine, connected so us, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's okay to mention them, even though uh, by mentioning them, I'm, I'm not helping myself out because there's going to be more competition against me now for placements, but... <laughs> that, that, that's an interesting point. I was, I almost uh, asked you for some recommendation of of the platforms you use now, but now I see that you 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 won't reveal that information. Okay, so we know that you use Music Gateway. If somebody wants to, if somebody out there wants to trade some good contacts with me, I might be willing to trade some of mine. But <laughs> okay, all, all righty, uh, we we can yeah we can totally mention that in the show notes if you want. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Music Gateway, I joined a few months ago. I discovered their platform 
I use a couple different techniques to find companies. I have one particular website that I go to that evaluates evaluates licensing companies and people that do this, you know, the, and the Music Gateway came up there in the search. So I went and checked their website out and I like their business model, as I explained before to you in this interview, that they don't take any publishing. They take a percentage on the sync fee, which is great because another thing I need to mention, there's a lot of companies out there now that are licensing your music for free, which sucks because they're using your music and they're only giving you the back end on it. You're not getting any fees. This is becoming more and more popular. This is not good for composers and it's not good for companies that you're with that actually get sync fees because they're getting competition from these companies who are giving your music away for right. free, which is not good. But this is uh, this is one of the changing things that's changing the rules here in this business. But uh, what I liked about Music Gateway was they don't take any of your publishing. They take a sync fee when the song gets placed. Anyway, to make a long story short, I submitted to a few of their uh, requests after joining and trying to figure out how the platform worked. And I think I'd only been with them for maybe a month and a half, two months at the time, where they um, got me this placement on uh, Bloodline with a brand new tune that's off my last album. It's a song called um, Never Been Good at Goodbyes. It's kind of a gospel, soul, bluesy thing with a good lyric. So they made me an offer and um, it materialized. It worked. And um, the song was placed on uh, that particular show. And um, I saw the, I have Netflix, so I did get to hear how the song was used. A lot of times I don't even get a chance to hear how songs were used. I'm not that big on TV. I don't watch huh. much TV. That's interesting. So, so, so you, don't, not, you, you don't, don't even always hear how your music sounds inside? 90% the... of the time I never hear wow. it. Wow. Um, interesting. Um, I'm just happy when the check comes in, you know, so it just... When the check comes in, it legitimizes everything and says, okay, it did get placed. And then when I see it on my royalties afterwards, great. I know it got placed. It's nice to hear the song and the scenes, but for me, it's not that big of a deal. As long mm -hmm. as I know it did get placed, that's what's really important to me. Yeah. You know, it's this is the first placement I've got with Music Gateway, so I can't really say a whole lot more about it now. But maybe it was just a fluke and maybe I won't get another placement with Gateway for another three years. Who knows, you know, but... Um, It was certainly encouraging to get a placement after being with them for such a short time. So now I've started uploading songs because they have a portal now where you can upload songs and they can get pitched, you know, um, without you necessarily submitting them for certain projects. They'll show up in their search engines. But this is also a very, very time consuming um, thing. Their metadata setup is really well well made but the thing is it's extremely time consuming it, it, to do a good job in describing your song and entering all the information it takes a good 20 25 minutes per song and when you have a library of you know 400 i'd, like, like, to, I'd yeah. like to submit about maybe 70 songs yeah. between 50 and 70 songs to companies like this but it's going to take me two weeks of of work to do that yeah. you know so i do it in my spare time okay i got two hours this morning here i'm going to try to upload a couple tunes and uh That's kind of the way they do it because I'm, like I said, I'm I'm spreading myself thin here. I'm doing the work of five and six people, so my time is limited. And there's not only Gateway. I got probably another dozen other companies like Gateway that I'm sending music to, and I want to try to get the the new music to each person 
And I don't send the same songs to every company either, even though I'm doing non-exclusive deals and signing the same song sometimes a few times. I'm a, I'm a lot more careful about not signing the same songs too many times. So I try to be very, very choosy about who I send the songs to. Mm-hmm. No, may, may, makes sense. Uh, but so, but here we, with this very placement, you actually uh, saw a project that you saw that you had something relevant and uh, submitted the song that ended up in the film. Uh, so it wasn't uh, exactly like picked beforehand. So you actually spent some time monitoring the opportunities as well, correct? Yes. Yeah. I, I get their, their emails, their daily emails every day. I had a conversation with uh, someone there uh, maybe a few months ago. They reached out to me because they liked my music and I guess I was a little showing up a little more on their radar because of this placement. And uh, I had a good conversation about how their company works. And um, I just like their business model. So I, I find that for composers, this is a good, it's a good avenue. But at the same time, in the same breath, I'm saying there's going to be so many freaking musicians sending music to these people now that I'm afraid I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. It's just going to be too much music out there. And there's a lot of great music out there, you know. Competition is fierce for these things. So even if you got great music that's well-recorded and well-played and well-written, you're up against uh, composers from all over the world that, that have as much talent or more talent than you have, you know? So it's ever-changing, like I said, and it's, uh, it's a very tough competition yeah, out there. It is, yeah. And one of the reasons I asked is that on top of uh, the fact that you need to spend a lot of time to submit your music to the catalog, to the platform, to each platform, you also need to invest your time on an ongoing basis to monitor the opportunities and um, and communicate with um, with people who may be interested in your music. And uh, so, how, how important have been uh, has it been to reply quickly? So, uh, have you had uh, to be fast and quick on submissions? Uh, so, have you? Do you see a lot of uh, opportunities where you need to to provide music and maybe with even some adjustments or something like that tomorrow by noon? So with really short, tight deadlines. Yes, right now I've you know, like I said before in the interview, I'm not a very tech savvy person, but um, I did learn how to um, manage my catalog better, where I have it at the touch of a fingertip on my. I use a service called box.net. It's mm-hmm. the same thing as Dropbox or any of those we transfer or whatever. So I have an account there, which costs me eight bucks a month. And I have my entire catalog on there in waveform and in MP3 form, instrumentals and vocal versions. So when I have a, either a music supervisor or a library that reaches out to me and I happen to be on the road doing a gig, I get the message on my phone Hey, Mike, we're looking for a French cabaret song, A la Chaltrenet, that has accordion in it. Do you have anything like that? At the touch of a button, I can say, yes, here's a link. You can download that tune. Have a listen if it works, great. And in a matter of seconds, I can submit a song to them. And this is happening quite a bit, but most of the time, it's, um, you know, they're looking for it ahead of time. But it has happened a few times. I got a I got a great placement, you know, um, on an ABC show called Dirty Sexy Money a few years ago, where they were looking for an accordion song that sounded like an accordion guy playing on a street corner. And I actually 
had two days to send a song. So I went in the studio the next day. I wrote a tune, had an accordion player, a friend of mine, come up and play the accordion part. And we sent it 48 hours later. And hmm. then the next week it was on TV show and it paid for the recording session and then some. So um, that doesn't happen all the time. Like I said, maybe that was a bit of a fluke, but uh, just being able to to put the song together and send it in on time and being on target with the pitch, it gets you in good too with the with a supervisor and gets you get in good too with the company that's representing your music saying, Hey, we can depend on Mike. He can deliver the goods yeah. in, in 48 hours. I don't always have the time to do that, but that time it worked out. And like I said, you know, the bloodline placement after only being on gateway for a month and a half, it just might be a total fluke, but um, then not, I don't know, but it's always encouraging when things do materialize and they happen and it encourages you to, to maybe send them more music and um, to know that that's not a dead end um, contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dead end contacts out there. Yeah. 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 I can imagine. And that's good if, uh, if so you may be getting some, some special uh, offers uh, from the team of uh, the service. If, uh, if they see that you deliver high quality music that supervisors wants uh, with uh, short deadlines just as, as as you mentioned so when required so that's that's good so it's interesting we are we, like i'm learning a lot from you and uh, it's uh, it's very interesting to hear um everything that you're sharing and i'm just realizing how in a way you are not interesting all that much and giving away all your secrets to our listeners because you they're competitors to you in a way so it's it's an interesting situation here but uh, you you've mentioned a number of interesting specific tips taking care of metadata and uh, being on multiple platforms this is what i heard will you be able to share any additional tips something that you've learned over 10 years maybe anything related to the legal side uh, have you had to learn much about you know reading contracts and stuff related or anything in terms of the organization you already mentioned using boxnet that's cool insights yeah anything really so anything that you could share that um, could be helpful to other composers well, i think yeah I, i do have one really good tip because i did get burnt by one library i'm not going to mention their names their library out of austria i can say that and this particular library i signed some non-exclusive deals with them But unfortunately, their interpretation of what a non-exclusive deal versus an exclusive deal is, was really not the same as what I thought. And I've made this deal a few years ago when I probably wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now. So I made a mistake in the sense that their interpretation of a non-exclusive deal was basically the same as an exclusive deal. Because in their idea, I was not allowed to send my music to other companies to be represented by. And then we had a major dispute and this particular guy that runs this library decided he was going to, he was going to call a lot of non-exclusive libraries in which we had some of the same tunes. And so it really caused a lot of problems for me because I had to remove some of my songs from those other libraries that were actually generating money from me for me. Mm. And um, this guy's a very crooked person and there's people like that out there and you've got to watch out for that. And you've got to make sure that if you're signing a non-exclusive deal and you, you're the type of person like me that wants to spread your music around and multi-sign, make sure that they allow that in their non-exclusive deal. That's probably the best piece of advice I can give to other composers. This I don't mind sharing at all. 
because we're all in that boat together. Mm, but, yeah. um, but, um, you gotta be careful with the, these companies that, um, don't see non-exclusive the way that we see non-exclusive here in North America. Yeah. And, um, if you get the wrong type of guy, that's kind of like a lunatic, like this guy that solicits libraries and has my songs removed from there, which actually stops generating music for me and, and revenue for me. It really sucks. And it's really, it's really a tough thing. And I, I had great understanding from all the libraries that were involved in this mess. And I, I should also add that that particular library that ripped me off has not made me a single dime yet. So it's a pretty unfortunate thing when this happens. So um, I ask, um, you know, I can just say to uh, fellow composers, be vigilant about that. That's a very important insight. Unfortunate that it happened to you, but uh, thank you for sharing. And uh, yeah, it's a very straightforward and uh, important advice indeed here. So uh, I think there is quite a few things that um, that I hope our listeners got from our conversation. It's uh, really interesting on, on your journey. And uh, uh, so this is the reality of the licensing world. Everything that you described, it's uh, it, to sum it up, it requires a lot of work and dedication and uh, a lot of great music that is um, suitable for, for placements as well. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate your time a lot and dwelling into your website and social media profiles in uh, the show notes. Feel free to uh, mention... Uh, any platform of yours or maybe the website url right now to anyone who's on the go and wants to check you out yeah well i if you're if you're a facebook guy um facebook go on mike goudreau fan page you'll find some stuff there and my website is mike goudreau it's m-i-k-e-g-o-u-d-r-e-a-u mike goudreau.com if you speak french it's dot ca if you're a french-speaking person yeah, yeah that's, those are the uh, best places to find my music. Yeah, and once again, they are linked to in the show notes and the related question. If there is someone listening to us who is actually interested in licensing your music, that's, uh, I just thought about that. So would your website still be the right place to, to get in touch with you? Or, or do you have... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah where, where yeah, do the, you usually send the, people Yeah, to? the website's the best because you get all the, in, the contact information on the website. So it's it's easy that way. Yeah, and I hope there are some music supervisors or people listening i mean i'm happy to share this with other composers and musicians but i'm also hoping that there's a few music supervisors listening to you absolutely show. there is a good chance that that's someone who who you may end up doing business with is listening to us awesome so my my very last question is what's the name of your cat what's the name of my cat i think i had i had one no i, I had a cat a, yeah i had a cat i'm pretty confident i had a cat you oh yeah that? oh yeah so you probably did hear the cat it's not yours. Is, <laughs> it's well, it's uh, it's the family cat. And okay. The, the cat's name is Pichu. Oh, that's nice. So hi from my uh, two cats. They usually are the ones who who make noises during the the call. So I was so pleased to hear cats <laughs> on the other end. You know, so it was really cool to me. He's a little rambunctious tabby. No, oh, that's nice. Cool. So, Mike, thank you so much for your time and the insights once again. And uh, we, uh, like, my to-do item is to check out some of your placements in the movies and the uh, TV series that's where, where your music is at. For me, I'm really curious. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to future amazing placements of yours. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew.
Thank you all for listening and head over to musicgrowthtalks.com or dotedmusic.com for the show notes and to find out more about Mike. And also in the show notes, I link to two recent Music Growth Talks episodes, which I recommend you to listen to to learn more about the new kinds of companies Mike mentioned on this episode. One is Music Gateway, as you guessed already, and we just released a conversation with the founder, John Skinner. And another is with SonTrader, and similar and also very promising company, this time from the US. Also, both work with international companies and musicians, just in case. I hope you get some solid placement soon. Let me know if you do. And till the next episode. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.